Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, body work, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. For those of you that are here for the first time, welcome. I'm so happy to have you join in. For those of you that are longtime listeners, your um, support is so appreciated. I am really delighted to bring to the podcast today Dr. Rose Erin Vaughn. She is an experienced acupuncturist. She's a yoga teacher. She specializes in myofascial trigger point therapy and the practice of science of meridians. She has over 20 years of practice in the field and she's got an incredible Instagram page. I really highly recommend you guys go check it out. It's at Aaron underscore body aware. And then please go look her up on her website, uh, which is scienceofself.com. I recently bought her book, The Science of Self, Yoga Pathways, Organs, and Emotions off of Amazon. I'll put a link in the description below for all these different sites. And it's really interesting. And I have to admit, I've been uh, reading it and applying some of the ideas during my own yoga practice and the way that she's been able to bring the use of visualization of the meridians into while practicing the yoga poses and feeling the energy pathways in the body based on our experience and then having a little bit of guidance from her to, to know what the tradition of it all is has been really fascinating. So for me, this is a huge honor <laughs> to bring Dr. Rose Aaron Vaughn on. Let's go ahead and start. I'm so excited to have Dr. Rose Aaron Vaughn here today. And Dr. Rose Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm sitting by my wood stove up in upstate New York. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, yeah. it's obviously a little bit colder up there than here in Florida. I'm in my flip-flops and um, <laughs> I have the air conditioning on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Right? No, it's very cold here. Yes. Oh man, I'm really excited to have this chance to speak with you because I'm, uh, I, I have your book, The Science of Self, Yoga Pathways, Organs and Emotions, and mm -hmm. I'm enamored with it. I think what you've done with blending your acupuncture uh, career with the yoga together and the, the visuals of the way that you use the meridian lines from the acupuncture and or Chinese medicine system in with the yoga poses has been so interesting. I really love your book. I think it's incredible. Well, thank you. You're thank welcome. You. And so, so that all of our listeners are aware you're, yeah. you're an experienced acupuncturist, you're a yoga teacher. You specialize in myofascial trigger point therapy and practice science of meridians. And you've had an opportunity to learn from your 20 years of practice in the field. And I'm curious, was there a light bulb moment for you, <clears throat> excuse me, that for you that your study and career path would unfold to where you are now? Um, there was a few, but I think as far as, um, combining uh, the energy pathways, which we call meridians in Chinese medicine, 
with yoga because those are two different systems. Yeah. Um, that happened for me. I think that was something that was sort of, um, it sort of was a seed for a long time, you know, a seed and then it sprouts and then it grows. And I think, I think when I was studying originally just trigger point manual therapy um, and yoga, before I went to acupuncture school and learned the meridian system, um, I, I sensed there was, that there was some deeper connection that I needed to find mm. with um, combining sort of the myofascial pathways that I was learning uh, with um, the asana, yoga asana, with and then understanding sort of the emotional connection to mm. it. Like, why? why? Why are these patterns in the body uh, and why does yoga asana work to not only heal the body, but to release emotions? Anyone that practices asana knows that it releases emotions. Yes. Because you start crying in class sometimes and then you feel better. <laughs> yes. And so I, I really just, and I, and I had asked my teacher, who is Dharma Mitra, my yoga teacher. He's a, he's a master. I mean, he's, he's 83 now. And... And I was pretty close to him, and I said, I want to learn the energy pathways. And he's a, fun, he's a funny guy. I mean, he, he will say things like really short, you know, and then yeah. later you'll figure out what it meant. But he just said, well, you, you, need, to, you need to get a book. <laughs> he was like, I don't know. He was like, I don't know that stuff, but you should get a book. He said, you should get, he told me to get the Shivananda book that has like the nadis in it. And I was like, oh, well, I guess, you know, I guess that was a stupid question. <laughs> and, uh, but I think he, you know, like mysteriously, he sort of put me on the path to go to acupuncture school and learn, the, learn those pathways. Nice. And, um, and every time I see him, he's always like, are you still doing the needles? You know, acupuncture. <laughs> and, he he asked me while I was in school, and he asked me he asked me just last week, "Are you still doing the needle?" And uh, anyway, I think as I studied the meridian system, which is really overwhelming in the beginning, yes, it's, it's a massive amount of very detailed information about the the energy pathways in the body, and so it was, it was overwhelming. So I made up these meditations, um, which I could which I could do and um, during the asana, like body scans. Where you and would just, follow the meridian? Like where you'd yeah. use like your, uh, well, I don't want to say it. I guess I was going to say the word imagination, but you use your, your power of visualization to body scan and follow the meridian around while you're in the yoga pose. Exactly. That's a cool It idea. is the imagination. Yeah. Because whether... I mean, my acupuncture teacher is also a master and he's like, it doesn't matter if these pathways are real or not. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people argue over these things. Yeah. It's like, are they useful? And so they are useful. And uh, anyway, yes, it, it's totally imagination, visualization. And, uh, and as I was doing the asana that I'd been doing for years anyway, it, I was like, wow, I can feel these pathways. Wow. They're on some level they're they're really real, and it just unfolded. It opened a whole new world. 
Did that really? did, did that light bulb go off more when you started to apply what you were learning from the Chinese meridian system more so than what you had learned and applied from the myofascial release pressure point work? Well, the the thing about the myofascial release, which is brilliant, and uh, that's I had studied the Travell Simmons text. Mm. And, um, and, you know, I went to massage school first which, and which is so a, I was, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- that's a very dense text, isn't it? Like I, I have those books, oh, yeah. like, like to say I studied that, like that's a very big undertaking just for, for those that are listening that aren't, aren't familiar with those texts. So that's pretty amazing that you, you, you combed those volumes and went deep exactly. into that study. You have to comb through it, and I have the—I still have the original books that I had bought, and they're you know heavily underlined. <laughs> I was just like, "Wow, what is this? This yeah. is crazy!" Yeah. Like the any—I tell everyone to buy those and and just spend the rest of their life reading them. They're absolutely and, incredible in relation to trigger point and referral points. Don't don't you think? Like the just the referral start- and mm-hmm, and also like. Uh, things that it could mimic or that could mimic those pain patterns. Mm. Like, you know, you may think you're having a heart attack, but you actually have a trigger point in your rhomboid or something like that, or your pec major. Yes. Um, And so that was just fascinating to me, but it had left out one component mostly, which, which was uh, emotions like stress and anxiety and, yeah, you know, or anger, like how do those things specifically, what patterns do they specifically create? Mm. And that is what the Chinese system is masterful for because they understand the connection of those myofascial pathways to organs, to the specific organs, internal organs. And also like something which when you first hear it, you're like, what? that liver is it has anger is you know is associated with anger like really like how i don't you know people don't buy it right away but but i explain it to people like you know the heart is related to love right yeah everyone just sort of intuitively knows that because they feel it yeah and that's um, a good point that's one that we yeah, just accept. So we accept that one, but the thought of anger in my liver, like, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a mm-hmm. leap at first. <laughs> it is, you know, and but then each of the, but then if you start to study it and think about it, then and then you notice like when you get really angry or there's something that's really irritating you that's not usually there, you notice certain patterns in your body, like tension around the right side of the rib cage. Yeah radiating down the right thigh or yeah. down the IT band or something or up into your jaw. And that's the, that's the liver and gallbladder. I mean, it's the gallbladder pathway, but it's related to the liver. And, and then <laughs> it changes your life. You can't go back once you see it. <laughs> yeah. Good point. I, I have yeah. a lot of questions based on what you just said, but I, I also want to bring up that you, hold a bachelor's in biology from Wake Forest University and that you graduated top of your class 
Is that true? That is true. And, <laughs> no, and, not the top. <laughs> I was like magna cum laude or something. Pretty, pretty close to it, right? And yeah. <laughs> and and you're a doctor of acupuncture from Pacific College of Health Sciences, right? I'm so I'm yes. uh, I'm curious. Um, how have you taken your study in biology and used that to help you with your acupuncture study and or vice versa? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Hmm. Well, I mean, for me, biology is, is was like just a passion. It, it's like an art form. I mean, it's it's an appreciation of what is there, which is exactly the same as studying the meridians yeah it's, it's a little different because of the tools that you use to study it uh but it's it's an it's a fascination and an awe with with life yeah. how how like what our cell because i was studying cell biology and you can't even see a cell without a microscope so i was studying microscopes too but it's just it's just a miracle when you realize uh, and I study anatomy also, you know, physical anatomy in depth. And the more you study all of those subjects, it just blows your mind. So I'm, I'm glad I have a background in science because I think it helps me analyze things more um, thoroughly, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yep. That you know, makes, logically yeah. just think about things that makes sense i i have had a chance to study with dharma mitra he was teaching down here in in fort lauderdale at a yoga journal conference and he did say and do so many different things that i was just like this guy is amazing you know like he (laughs) he's really an interesting character and i remember at one point he was quoting the bhagavad-gita and but at the mm-hmm. time, maybe I didn't know that it was the Bhagavad Gita. So he had said a few things around the realm of I am God and mm-hmm. I am a manifestation of God. I am God. And at the time, it really blew me away because I, I, I guess maybe I didn't realize he could have been quoting the Bhagavad Gita. Maybe he wasn't. And, and at that point mm-hmm. I was in this realm of thinking, is that an ego thing to say I am God? And then after I got more steeped in India philosophy and started to understand the concept of, of appreciating that everything is God. So if I recognize that I am, then there's that element. And so I'm, Obviously, that comes from a 
lineage of definitely believing in God. And so I'm curious that where if you you have had a deep background in the science world, which often doesn't go down that path, where or how do you balance the opposing forces or do you see them as opposing forces? Do you feel like science and belief in God is is really connected? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, and I, I, first of all, I think he is closing the Bible ID test. It was afterward that but, I was like, oh, he was reading from the, he was quoting Bhagavad Gita. Well, that makes right, sense. He was reading it. <laughs> Krishna is saying, I am God. And, but at the moment I was like, whoa, right. Dharma Mitra is really going out there right now. Like, um, so, <laughs> so thank you for bringing, shedding a little light on that. <laughs> but yeah, but I think, you know, I personally, I I was always very more more than science. I was into God, the, just figuring it out. Not like I was a, I was deep into one specific religion. Although I was was and am Christian since I was uh, uh, born, I guess. Yeah. Whenever that starts. Yeah. <laughs> and I was raised that way anyway. Yeah. And uh, but. I wanted to explore everything, so I, I, I read all the different ones that I used to annoy my parents, you know, about like why why is no one talking about this? Like, who is God? Yes. What What are we doing here? Why are we here? And they would be like, nobody cares. Stop talking. <laughs> and uh, so, but then when I studied science, it it really it really never was a conflict for me because. And I had some amazing teachers. I went to Wake Forest, which is actually a Baptist school. It was originally, I think, just kind of mellowed out now. But, um, you know, they, they, my teachers, I can think of two now who uh, really inspired me. Uh, and they, one of them was a biochemistry teacher. And she was like, the more you study, biochemistry the more you believe in god because mm. there is no way that this is random mm. it's impossible i mean i studied evolution i studied genetics we you know we had to sort of study all of that stuff yeah yeah and we studied immunology immunology is if you if you study one science subject in depth enough it it will lead you to god whether it's physics or biology or uh, chemistry, because you will realize that we cannot comprehend how this got here. Yeah. Yeah. We can't even really understand how it works. We're just beginning to understand how DNA and the immune system works. I mean, that should be obvious to everyone now. <laughs> As, as advanced, we can we have a MacBook Pro and we can talk to each other from very far away, but we don't know how the immune system really works, or we would be able to cure all diseases. Yeah, Good because point. there's a deep there's another component, and that's the spirit, and it and it's the will to live, and where you know where does that come from? Mm. Great question. And the, the intelligence of the immune system is mind-blowing on its own, not with help from the outside. I'm not, I'm, I mean, that was the one topic that really blew my mind 
immunity? Well, the immune system, because (laughs) I don't want to bore your audience (laughs) with the details, but the way that the body can edit your DNA and, and all this stuff, it seems like it's being, you know, there's an intelligence behind it that's, that's beyond just what it looks like. I agree. And, and, and I, and I don't think there's any way you're going to be able to bore us, Aaron, because you've got a lot of great, fascinating insights. So, so (laughs) thank you for saying that, but I don't think that's possible here. Um, that, that's really cool. It seems like you've been able to, yeah, develop grand appreciation for both ways of inspecting, uh, energy and or the universe. Uh, I'm curious, once, one question I've always had about the meridians is if I imagine, say, so if this comes from China, at some, you know, somebody uh, is ill, they go to the Chinese, the acupuncture and or Chinese medicine physician, doctor, and mm-hmm. how did they figure these meridians out. Do you think it was a process of deep meditation combined with, let's just put either pressure via thumb or finger hand and or a needle and then sit real deep in meditation and see where that pressure tends to send feeling and or awareness uh, most consistently across the most uh, a large test group. Or do you believe in the, like, um, kind of, it just came in a flash in a vision and, uh, um, you know, like there was one, you know, like, um, like, like prophet or, or somebody that like, look, you guys, here's the meridians. I figured it out. Um, do you have any sense or have you, have you come across that in your studies? Yeah. I, I think there were probably some great masters that really propelled it forward. Mm. But my understanding and, and is that we can all reinvent it with just by examining mm. our own bodies. That's cool. And so it's, it's, I say like our body is the book that we have to study. Yeah. It's, it's written inside of us. And yes, I think people had to sit and meditate. I mean, they were yogis they, because or what we would call yogis because they were using those pathways as spiritual, you know, alchemy, alchemical practices or spiritual practices. And so they were, I think they were studying that within themselves. Mm. I mean, people were, I think people were less distracted by all this external. Yeah. You know, there's just a lot of interesting things to look at really fast right now on, on social media and TV and all, whatever. But um, I think maybe and people didn't even have electricity yeah. to, so that it was like at night, it was you and your internal world. You close your eyes and you have to lay there and feel what's happening. Yeah. And good the movements point. inside the body. Good point probably they were experimenting on themselves and on, on patients. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I imagine that's exactly what you said is how it was. And that it, it, you know, because it developed in many branches, 
in maybe re- there was an original in, prophet. I don't know. <laughs> in relation to like with, so like, you know, the first time I took a yoga class, I, there's yoga, like it's yoga. So you go in, but then I had no idea there was like this style, that style, this teacher associated yeah. with this specific style. And then you start, you know, but that first yoga class was like, it's just yoga. Like wouldn't every, it's all yoga. So in the, obviously in the, everything's like that probably. So in the Chinese medicine world, there's a whole bunch of different schools of Chinese medicine. Is that correct? For sure. Yeah. Yep. At least as many as there are for yoga. Got it. And people that fully disagree with each other. Like masters <laughs> that everyone bows to well, that completely disagree about where the pathways oh, and wow. points are, what they what they're used for, how to do it, what kind of needle, you know, there, there's there's many many ways. How, to go. How, what, how do you rise above that dogma? Do you you know have have you been entrenched in Chinese medicine dogma and have to? reinvent yourself so to speak throughout the years or has that been really easy for you well the thing is my teacher i i adhere to my main teacher yeah who was dr mark seam now he's pretty radical and probably a lot of people don't agree with his style but if you read his books I mean, I read his books before I ever met him, and they made me cry because I was like, this this is it. Wow. This is real. Yep. And he's American, and he was one of the first Americans to have an opinion, you know, to have the mm. courage to have an opinion about Chinese medicine, you know? So Good point. Uh, and, yeah, and he was also working directly with Janet Travell, who was, you know, one of the authors of the Myofascial, yes. Travel Simmons, what was it called? Myofascial pain and dysfunction. I think you're right. And <laughs> so he was he was working with her. Oh, that's cool. And studying trigger points. I mean, they he already owned the school at that time, and she came, and they sort of worked together to develop and explore, um, you know, the similarities of dry needling for trigger points and traditional Chinese acupuncture, which is, I mean, he was very political also. So he, he would always, and I don't know how much of this is fully accurate, but he would go on and on about how, you know, Chinese medicine was ruined, you know, during the communist revolution because Mm. they, they took all of the spirituality out of it and systematized in a way that it could sort of be, uh, talk to the world. Interesting. And yeah, so he didn't buy any of that stuff. He said, look, you have to memorize all this stuff to pass the board exam. But then that's not how you really do it. The way you really do acupuncture is very similar to body work. You have to feel the myofascial pathways and see where they're stuck. And then you use the needle like a massage tool kind of. Mm. To, to release myofascial blockages or sort of, you know, the, the connective tissue can get sort of kinked up. I don't know why, maybe because of strain, but also because it's, there's no other way to explain it than chi flow or, pr- or the flow of energy, subtle energy. So 
it was a much more, and his book is called Acupuncture Physical Medicine. Cool, I'll check that out. That's one of them. Acupuncture. Yeah, you, you would love it. You would love it. Physical medicine, thank you. I, yeah. you know, you, you're the founder of Science of Self Yoga and Meridian Yoga Therapy, and and you've written four books. Um, I already made mention of the one that I have. I want to. I'll, I'll get your other ones. I promise. <laughs> I, I have not finished. To be honest, I have not finished this one because there's a lot of information in this book. <laughs> like, and I and I don't. Yeah. I haven't studied them. I haven't studied Chinese meridians, and I've gotten acupuncture a lot. And I've all, I've heard these terms like triple heater, and um, you know, I've heard about the anger associated with liver and like like the real basic things. But as I I found when I was reading your book in a moment, I'll ask you a question about the triple heater because I, I, I really like the way that you explained it in your book. But can you explain now the, the premise of the book and, and the message that you aim to convey through it? Oh, I was just, that was my first book. And I was just so excited that about how to put everything together, you know, <laughs> yeah. yoga and Chinese. I was like, wow, oh my God, this is, this is wild. Like the more I studied it and, and researched and within my own practice. And I was like, this, this is incredible. It's like, it all lines up. Yeah. And, um, and so I just wanted to put it out there. And, uh, but you know, also I think because a lot of times yoga is very externally focused also not, not all yoga, obviously, but, just kind of the general trend is is more external or, or real physical anatomy based, like yeah, you know Western anatomy, and and I think um, I think by putting them together and learning the energy pathways, I wanted to help people go deeper in their yoga practice well, and look more inside and and start to think about what kind of thoughts and feelings they have that are arising during the practice that that might be arising because of the practice. Specific poses, yeah. for example, could yeah. bring up specific types of emotions. So just to look deeper. Yeah. I think you've, I think you achieved your goal because, um, I, since I've been reading it, what now that it, when I'm, when I come in and do my practice, I've, it's shift. I mean, I've, I've always, I've had, a, I have appreciation for the subtlety and the inner environment, but with looking at the pictures with the lines and then actually thinking about the lines while I'm practicing has, mm-hmm. it's a really amazing experience because it completely shifts the focus. And I don't know, maybe I'm thinking like, Oh, I wonder if I'm doing my pose good enough. And like, you know, is it deep enough or do I, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing where, like you said, very externally mm-hmm. focused. And, um, so to start to visualize the energy lines and, or feel where there's the most amount or least amount of sensation in each pose, I, I, I was like, whoa, that's a really amazing concept. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's cool. cool. I can I can see how you were like. Yeah, the pictures oh, help, right? The pictures are <laughs> unbelievable. Like when I, I first found you on Instagram, I love the way that you put the the lines on there. I don't know if you want to, maybe you don't want to give away your trade secret and I completely understand, but how do you even, how do you do that? How how are you getting oh, those? The, oh, yeah. Like the lines. Photoshop. Photoshop? 
And do you do that or do you have someone do it for you? I, I, I had somebody do the, the, the ones that are in the book were done by someone else. Yeah. Now I do my own. Very cool. I've had, I had one girl that helped me with it in the beginning, but I had done some Photoshop stuff before. So, okay. It's not an app. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. I was going to say that, that looks a little more complicated than a 299 app. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, yeah. which is why I really hope that everybody listening goes and checks out your, your Instagram will be the, maybe the easiest way and or your website, but, um, it's so cool. Um, so then to get a little bit deeper in on the Meridian and I, mm-hmm. I, I want to keep this simple so that those for myself as well as our listeners. So I, I hope this question isn't too hard to answer, but can you explain the brilliance behind the 12 regular meridians? And then I saw that you mentioned the eight extraordinary channels and like, what are some of their oh. unique characteristics? Is that something you can even tackle in a one hour yeah. podcast? Yeah. All right, cool. Of course. So the 12 regular meridians deal with, physiological processes of course this is an oversimplification but physiological processes and emotions and they form a circuit so the tw- there's 12 and they're named after the organs that you would recognize like the heart the small intestine the lung large intestine etc right mm-hmm. and and the energy there they form a, a circuit like i said in a specific order and they all connect you know, so it's one energy moving through these 12, this 12 parts of a circuit. Mm. And um, those pathways don't exist until you take your first breath when you're born. So the, it's closely related to the diaphragm and the movement of the breath that's moving the, the subtle energy through the body. Um, and just, you know, the functioning of the body, like digestion and but also thinking and feeling, you know, eliminating breathing, reproduction. That's fascinating. Although that's also, yeah. It happens when you breathe. It's not something in utero. Yeah. They don't exist. Those don't, those 12 regular ones don't exist until you take your first breath. Huh. That's cool. Which I found really that really helped me understand the importance of the diaphragm. Um, That's interesting. Right. It is because it has everything to do with stress and sort of, I mean, just it's the diaphragm is a very interesting kind of semi unconscious muscle. I, I, that we can learn to control. I don't want to interrupt your train of thought, but when you said there's like 12 tracks, if I envision like, say like a racetrack where there's like a circle a loop and then like, if there's 12 separate loops, do they all intersect at like a single point or is it that they're all just crisscrossing each other? You know what I mean? They're like, crisscrossing overlapping, but so the 12 regular meridians, they all connect to the organs and then they either go into the fingers or the toes mm. like a specific finger or toe alright like okay let's say the energy starts in, in your solar plexus this is where the circuit starts Yeah, and then it goes through the lungs and then it goes into your thumbs 
and then it goes into your index finger and then it goes up to your face and then it goes down to your second toe. I mean, those, I just named three different pathways. Got it. Right there. So it alternates. It just zigzags, crisscrosses all over the body, carrying energy. Yeah. Right. So that's the 12. And you asked me about the eight. I did. Extraordinary. (laughs) Yeah. And so those are different. And they do not form a circuit. They all flow upwards with the exception of the belt vessel, which goes horizontal. And uh, they sort of, a lot of them start in the pelvic floor and go up similar to the nadis, Mm. the three central channels in yoga. Interesting. But they, they are there before you're born. Huh. Yeah. What do you think the significance is of that is that there's these ones before you're born and then all of a sudden these 12 kick in once you start breathing? I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> all right. Good answer. <laughs> it's like, it's just a journey for me because yeah, it's really yeah. easy for me to understand the 12 regular ones because, uh-huh. you know, as a, as, as a doctor of acupuncture treating patients they have ordinary problems mm-hmm. right so yeah. they want their digestion to be better or their back pain or they need to be able to sleep better and so i'm thinking about those physiological processes in the myofascial pathway and that's easy it's harder for me to really fully grasp the extraordinary vessels mm. and i have mainly focused my interest on the the three that are very similar to the uh, nadis of the yoga, mm. you know, you, uh, the Sushumna, Ida, and Pingala are the sun, moon channel, and the yeah. central channel. Yeah. So there's three in, three out of the eight extraordinary vessels are very similar to those. They run up the center. And I've really focused on trying to understand those and how they can be used in deeper meditation and spiritual practice. Interesting. Is there any correlation and or similarity between prana and apana? So prana up movement and apana down movement in relation that you said the eight extraordinary seven of them are all going up. Do you think there's, um, there's no downward one. Is that interesting? That seems a little interesting. <laughs> but maybe it doesn't. I know. Maybe, I, maybe the twelve take care of that because it's pulling it. It's pulling it down do. to your toes like, and to your fingers and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a prana and a pana are sort of physiological energies. Mm. I mean, if you're talking about right, yep. like elimination, yep. and I'm I'm yep. I'm not really good at at yep. Ayurvedic stuff, but. Um, that would be kind of like the spleen, which is a lifting energy. And then the stomach, which is a downward energy, for example. Got it. Um, there are, there are certain energies that, t- that rise up and that go down, but those are, those are not so much related to the extraordinary. Vessels. It's that not, I know of. I yeah. mean, I'm like I said, I'm not a master of the eight extraordinary. Well, great point. I mean, I, I hear you. I think it, I do, do you think there, 
you have a whole lifetime to practice and study. I always kind of think I'll always be practicing and studying. I've kind of don't like, I mean, I guess there's a nice ideal about mastering something, but it almost seems like it's like you said there in terms of when we study science and realize that we don't really know much. Like we don't like, I, I kind of, I'm okay right. now thinking that I, I won't ever really know everything. <laughs> Maybe until I pass yeah. away. I don't know. <laughs> but while I'm alive, I, yeah. I figure, I, I think that's a really good answer probably to always be like a really receptive student or like a really open student, always curious, always wanting to study, always trying to figure it out. Yeah. Well, that's if really, if you think you figured it out, you're probably wrong. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Especially with something so, so mysterious as, as these pathways that you can't see and they were there before you were born. You know what I mean? Like, how are you really yeah. going to figure that all out? Yeah. In a way that you could explain it too. Good in point. words. Good point. I know that you, but I, I haven't. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. I saw that you offer a lot of trainings like teacher trainings and, um, different types of trainings. Can you talk about, like, I saw, t- I think today on Instagram, you posted some graduates of a recent training that you held. Can you explain a little bit what you're trying to teach these students? Are these yoga students or are these acupuncture students or both that are coming to study and practice with you? Uh, well, we have different intensives. And so some of them are really more in traditional yoga where we study the traditional yoga texts like the Hatha Pradesika and the Yoga Sutras. And I mean, we always use a little bit of the meridians mm-hmm. um, because it's just so helpful. But some, then some of the trainings like the meridian yoga therapy stuff is more about um, a more therapeutic style of yoga and also um, acupressure. I mean, we're teaching acupressure yeah. techniques how to release, um, well, my, my favorite one is the diaphragm release and the, and the abdominal massage, you know, getting into the abdominal points and organs, abdominal diagnosis, and using the spinal points diagnostically. But there's a, we, we learn a, a lot of techniques that are, healing on all levels, healing and releasing stuck emotions and breathing and all of that. My, my favorite thing about those trainings is getting people, if it's in person, is getting people to do hands-on work who've never done it. Yeah, that's cool. And, and to realize that they can do it. It's, it's right. That's what we were made to do. Yeah. You don't have to be special. You don't have to know very much. You just have to learn how to feel. And, Can you explain? And pay attention. It sounds like, um, yeah, good point. <laughs> to feel and pay attention. <laughs> how, yeah. do, how do you teach? <laughs> how do you teach people how to feel and pay attention? Do you have a well, Do you have a, a methodology to to, to going about? Because it sounds simple, but it's. I think to feel, well, to teach someone to feel, I guess my first thought was meaning like teach someone how to put their hand, say on someone's abdomen and feel. So yeah. there's the first level of like feeling the surface, the skin, but I'm guessing with the training you've had, 
your palpation skill can get a little more fine tuned where maybe like what, what can, what can you feel when you palpate someone's abdomen? What type of things are you able to pick up on? I, I mean, I tell people, look, I can tell you what you're supposed to look for. Right. Mm-hmm. For, but if you touch a thousand people's abdomens, then you will know what an abdomen normally feels like yeah, and what an abdomen that's tight in the upper right quadrant or whatever. Yeah. You know, you will know an abdomen that has like liver or stomach or large intestine. You, you will just know or kidney. Yeah. But you, you have to touch a thousand people and look at the rest of their complaints. They, they come in with a headache, right? There's, thousand different kinds of headaches but that's one piece of information oh wow uh you you listen to the sound of their voice you look at their skin tone um sort of how they sit you know their body language and stuff and you touch their abdomen and then that's that's one piece of data all of that Mm. that you add to the to your to your brain you know and and after you've done that a thousand times or ten thousand times i don't know a lot Yes. not 10 times, you know, <laughs> but like in 10 years later, yes. Yes. that's how you learn it. Yes. No one can teach you that. You have yeah. to just do it. You, it's like yoga. It's exactly yeah. like yoga. Yeah. Dharma Mitra can tell you to sit there and close your eyes and look at your face between your eyebrows. But until you do it for 10, 20 years, you're not going to know why Yeah. or, or you're not going to know what's there until you just do it. Great. Point. So I just tell people, I mean, the, the main thing is to get people to feel like it's okay to do that. Like you can, yeah. Yeah. in a safe space with consent, you can, you can work on each other. Say, I'm going to work, I'm going to press in your abdomen and you're going to breathe into your abdomen while I'm pressing on it. And we're going to see what happens. You're going to tell me what you feel. And I'm going to tell you what I feel. And that's it. Wow. That's profound. That is. Because nobody, nobody takes the opportunity to do that, really. Not nobody, but, you know. I know it, what you mean. It's not, it's not a normal thing to do. That's a great point, Dr. Rose. That's cool. <laughs> just bringing it down, yeah. just pulling it down a notch, a couple notches. <laughs> okay. Hey, you guys, let's just <laughs> chill for a minute. I want you to feel abdomens. <laughs> And just talk about it and see what you what you notice. That's so. Then I'm guessing yeah. this is a pretty deep technique, though, because obviously, I know from my Thai massage training in Thailand, they really put so much emphasis on the abdomen, and they would do some very deep abdominal massage work to the point where I had moments where I thought, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it through this experience afterward. I'd feel so good, but during, Oh, I mean, it's so intense. So, and I mean, yeah, talk about emotions coming up. And I know like in classic Western massage world, like if we go for like good old fashioned Swedish massage training, you know, they'll show us how to, you know, move the drape. So the chest is covered, move the drape. So the, you know, the, just the abdomen is showing and then, you know, do some classic effleurage techniques on the abdomen and you're done. 
And then you go to work mm. in the spa and you're like, that's so much work to move the drape around, you know, like maybe I'll just skip the stomach. And then no one does it. a lot yeah. of people are like, you know, also like I'm really self-conscious about my stomach. So I don't know that I want you touching my stomach. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a sensitive area for a lot of people. And, um, mm. but it's so amazing. So I, I'd love to hear even a little bit more what you've learned over the years facilitating these type of experiences with people, what type of reactions you've seen and, and, um, and maybe how people have benefited from this. Well, I mean, I'm lucky because I work with people that do a lot of yoga and, and take care of themselves yep. for one thing, not, not, I mean, most people that are studying that stuff do, but I say that because I've worked with people in other circumstances who don't take care of themselves. I mean, I, I worked in a harm reduction center where people are actively using drugs and you cannot do abdominal massage yeah, because there's too much disease and toxicity, even on a gross physical level, yeah. not to mention emotional trauma. Yeah. So part of, part of doing abdominal massage is where is, that you're going to work with people who already stretched and breathed and ate a fairly healthy diet and drank some water. You know what I mean? Like yep, yep. they they have a basic awareness and interest in healing and they may have, yeah, people, you're right. People are like a little funny about the abdomen, but part of it also is this, the confidence of the practitioner, yep. you know, if I, as a practitioner, am worried about my own abdomen and and I can't and I haven't dealt with my own, then it's gonna be hard for me to work on somebody else and make them feel safe. That's a good point. And and or make them just not it is safe, but it's also just make them feel like this is normal. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm just gonna press on these points, this is normal, this is not um unusual at all. Like I do this all the time. And you, you don't say it with words, but you say it with your hands. And, uh, but yeah, I think the abdominal massage to me is the navel. You just, there's a, there's a few things. It's like the diaphragm, the navel, the armpits. Mm. And you can't do that on somebody immediately. Good point. So we, you, yeah. we, we work in the hands and the feet and then we work in toward the center but if somebody's done two hours of asana and an hour of pranayama right before, then you can go right into it. Mm. You can work on the navel, the diaphragm, and the armpits, and you're done. And it's profound. Can you? Uh, that that sounds awesome. I I want to I want to come take I want to come take a training with you, <laughs> with your group. It sounds you it sounds amazing. I I am going. I will. Um, can you talk a little bit about the armpit? Because that, that isn't an area that yeah. I really focus in on with people. Can you explain what your thoughts yeah. are there with that? Yeah. So uh, the armpit in, in, in terms of meridians is the heart meridian, and which is not what you would guess. Um, and it's probably long too, in terms of the pec minor being kind of up in there on the front side. Um, so, and it's also the rotator cuff because you have the subscapularis 
muscle, which is the hidden part of the rotator cuff. And it's also the part that tends to be overdeveloped and tight compared to the other parts of the rotator cuff, which mm-hmm. are usually kind of stringy. Not on everybody, but typically. Um, so, and, it's, and, and you know, it's a very intimate place, and it tends to be ticklish for, for some reason, which I think is probably a defense yeah. mechanism. And when I work, if I, I if somebody tells me they have a shoulder problem, I know if they will let me go in their armpit, I can at least change it. I can make it a little bit better, if not completely eliminate it. When you're when you're saying armpit, are you mentioning like coming in and around from the lateral border of the scapula and trying to scoop in and get on the subscapularis from the the lateral border versus like the vertebral side? The obviously, well, the vertebral side obviously isn't where you're going to get in the armpit, but is that what some of your focus is? Is to come around and get subscapularis from that lateral side, which does have you really close to the armpit. We're going in the armpit so that you'll be safe. <laughs> We're going right in <laughs> the armpit. Like, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. You'll be face out in, I, I call it the deepest, sweatiest part of your armpit. That's, that's where we're going. And kind of dig in and on that area, huh? Well, I mean, first of all, you have to cut off your fingernails. <laughs> yeah, no, no, fingernails. no acrylics, no faux acrylic nails coming. And <laughs> right. And there's no, it's no, you know, you don't want to poke around and dig around because you just, I say, act like you know what you're doing. Just go right yeah. in, go straight yeah. in and just hold it. You don't have to move around and, you just press into it. And mm. what it really does is it brings awareness to it. Yeah. So, you know, when the body, cause there's no awareness there usually. And yeah. when the body recognizes, Oh wow. I didn't even know that was there. I didn't even know it was tight. I didn't even know it was there. Yeah. Then it sort of heals itself. It's like, Oh, that was too tight. Why am I holding that tight? And then it just relaxes. So, you can just press, you know, firmly, confidently press into the armpit, and yeah, and and it's an it's an amazing release, actually. And in relation to the heart meridian, so you're finding that. Do you see like after you've worked with a thousand to ten thousand different armpits, <laughs> and <laughs> is there like when we think of the heart, we usually think of love. So like a a mm-hmm. a like a it can trigger or like an emotional release in relation to feeling an increase of love or can it work in the kind of counter effect where if I have, if I'm not letting love in my life that then I might have some sort of sad response, but then ultimately that would Mm -hmm. lead toward a opening of feeling more love. What it, Mm -hmm. Is that pretty much it? Well, sad. You got to remember, it's complicated. It's not. This is not a linear science. Yeah. But yeah. Also, any any release could come out as sadness because crying, sadness is letting go. So it could have been anger, and then you cry, and now the anger is gone. Yeah. Good it could have been that you lost someone, like grief, and then you cry. You know what I mean? Yeah. The crying can be. Yeah. So, um, but in, in, as far as the heart, 
I think in my experience, it'll have to do with relationships and, and deep, close, intimate relationships and, and the pain associated with those, what, you know, where you really were in love and, and opened your heart to someone. And then it's not, it's not going the way it was supposed to go, <laughs> yes. you know, cause you open, it's like you, you allowed something really deep in and then it hurt. Mm. It could be heartbreak or loneliness yeah. also, yeah. Yeah. I think. And you know, that's pretty common. Yeah. Most I people have right. a little bit of that. <laughs> At least yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Another element that I came I came across in your book that that really got me thinking is um the principle of asymmetry in relation to mm. the outer body in the inner body it got me thinking like, like I have a right side and a left side and my right hand and my left hand look pretty symmetrical to each other. But then when I go into my internal mm-hmm. organs, you know, the, the kidneys over here, the spleen's over there. And so there's this asymmetry. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I think that explains the struggle that we feel sometimes when, if you meditate, and you're sitting there and you're like, why do I feel like I'm so crooked? You know? Yeah. And then if you look in the mirror, you don't really look that crooked, but inside, because we're not, we're not symmetrical. I mean, the ever, all the organs are asymmetrical by mm. design. And so, and, and, you know, the digestive tract is a giant tube of muscle. So it's, it's, it's a muscle can pull on your, mm on your spine, you know, I mean, I don't know the specific way in which it would pull. I guess it depends on, on your body or what, you know, that you're, what you're eating and stuff like that. But the digestive tract can create some tension inside, some spiraling type tension. And then the, the liver, you know, that all of these, the liver is very heavy or especially when it has a lot of blood in it. And, it, it's attached by ligaments, you know, asymmetrically from the inside to the spine and to the abdominal wall. And so there, there's like this internal struggle that is in, unconscious, mm. but we can sort of tell, we can sort of tell, like, <laughs> I feel twisted, you know, yeah. like what's wrong with me? So, so and people I, always say like, I think it's because I sit weird at my desk. I'm like, maybe, but also maybe <laughs> yeah. not. <laughs> there's an internal struggle going on that, that we like have that we have no control over <laughs> yeah. we don't we don't I mean we do ultimately because that's why diet is so important yeah you know eat a clean diet drink enough water don't don't drink alcohol don't drink a massive amount of caffeine just to get through the day you know because it's going to affect but also the emotions and the, yeah. and the sympathetic nervous system or the autonomic nervous system is affecting the functioning of the organs. And so that a lot of it is, is also our thoughts, which we can control to some extent. Yeah. Good point. And, and that is creating these, these twisting from the inside. It's real. It's so interesting. I love thinking about yeah. that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dr. Rose Aaron, our 
I, I know we scheduled for an hour and I, I, I've, I'm so appreciative of you to just take time out of your schedule to, to speak with me. And, and I, but I feel like it's gone by so fast. I'm like, how did that just happen? And I, I kind of have, I've just, just started getting, I just start, I just started getting going here. Like, <laughs> so, but I, I don't want to hold, I know you're busy and I know you have uh, appointments and things going on today. Is there a chance yeah. in the future we could do this again? Sure. I would love to. I think, it's really an honor. I really appreciate your questions. They're, they're really interesting. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really, I appreciate yeah. that. Is there, is there something uh, to close with? Um, can you leave us with any advice and or inspiration or insights beyond what you mm. have, beyond what you have already shared with us? I'm content. I'm content. You don't have to go there, yeah. but, but is there anything that comes to mind that you'd like to help close our session with? Uh, I just say, you know, look within because I know that's cliche, but look within and we're our own doctors. You can, you can go to a doctor and, and they can, and sometimes it really helps and it's necessary, but also for, first of all, sit still, just go look inside. And, and you'll find, you'll find out exactly what it is that's bothering you and it'll resolve itself just by awareness and have faith, you know, have faith in that, that we're here for a purpose and that, that we are loved. So that's, that's what I was going to end with. Oh, that's perfect. I, I, I needed to hear that today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> good, good. That was really good. Thank you. Thank you. Man, well, thank you, Dr. Rose, Aaron. I'm so excited. I, I was so excited about this. You know, uh, we had scheduled before and we had a storm coming here to Florida and <laughs> I had my podcast gear all set up and I'm like, I got it timed perfectly. And then I got to the bridge and it was shut down. And then I had to double back around yeah. to the other bridge and you were you were gracious enough. I called you as I was driving and I was trying not to stress out. I was trying to relax, but I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm not going to make it. So I'm just really thankful that you were as sweet and kind and just like, Hey, you, it's, you didn't plan this. Like it's not your fault. So, um, but thank you so much for rescheduling and taking time out of your day. And I thoroughly enjoyed this and I'm, I, I love having the chance to speak with other people that are living this every day and it just gives me a ton of inspiration and uh, I really hope that I can squeeze a little time out of my schedule and, and come and study with you and I, I'd get a lot of information out of your everything you're putting out is absolutely amazing so um, keep going keep keep going for it Thank you. yeah thanks for the work you're doing too all right you know it well great work I appreciate that <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Take care. Bye. Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. 
You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review, and join us next time. Thank you.